I think of uh, in any game that, that kids play outside or that you play around the, the dining room table, uh, any board game or something like that, if you're learning it for the, same, for the first time, uh, you, you look at the directions and you want to know what's the object of the game. Okay, or, or in a battle, when, when an army is trying to accomplish something, they, they're going to want to know what is the object of this battle. Is it we're going to take this hill or we're going to defend this spot? Or we're going to expand our perimeter. They want to know. They need to know. What is the object of what we're trying to accomplish here? What's our objective? You know, think of the game Capture the Flag. You know, the objective of the game is go and capture the other team's flag and don't get caught when you're doing it because when you get caught, you go to jail and you have less people to both defend your flag and also try to get their flag. I mean, how, how does it work? How can it function if your team is confused about what the object of that game is, or, or they're in disagreement. You know, um, uh, my daughter Hannah, I think I've shared this before, uh, just wasn't very good at Capture the Flag. I remember we were playing with another family. They were playing with another family. Um, I'm too old for that. But the, and, and their, like, seven-year-old daughter was like on the other team and she says to her teammates when it came to Hannah Hannah's kind of standing there trying to to play the game and she says don't worry about her she's useless <laughs> how useless is it to the effort if your team is in disagreement about what the objective of the game is or if your team doesn't understand what the objective of the game is and like the objectives of a battle or of a game we lose sight if we lose sight of the objectives or the purpose of our creation, of why God made us, we're in trouble. We're not going to accomplish what he's put us on here to do, on earth to do. And there's much disagreement on how to go about living as God's people today, especially amidst a broken world. God's people are confused about what we are to be about. We are be a, to be about bearing the image of God that we were created in before the world. And that's why it's so important to return to God's mission for humanity. And that's what we see in Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28. It said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And we started to look at these truths last week. And we looked at the three special aspects of the creation of mankind. We see that there's a special nature in how we were created. And we'll review that just a little bit this morning. And we saw that there's a, there's a relational nature in how we were created. Relational with each other and relationship with God. And we'll review that just a little bit too. And then we, we get to this morning the special function for which we were created. And that is to exercise God's dominion. And I, and I would say to extend God's dominion over this earth. And all of these aspects are highlighted in the creation of the first man and the first woman. And our verses continue and it says, And God blessed them, 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We're looking at the fact that we were made to extend God's dominion as his image bearers. That's not image bearers in like a person carrying a flag or carrying an emblem of their nation or of their tribe or of of their people. We bear God's image in ourselves, being made in his likeness intentionally. In the same way, if you think of it, that, that when explorers would find a new world that they thought no one else had found, They would take the nation of the flag that they represented and they would plant it there. Or the same way that that our astronauts planted the American flag on the moon. It was to say the dominion of our people extends to this place. And that's what we were originally called to do as God's image bearers. We are made in the likeness of God to bring glory to him by extending his dominion, to extending his kingdom, if you will. And in order to accomplish this, we must, as we looked at last week, recognize that mankind is a special part of creation. This is is a very different core belief than much of the world, most of the world around us. You'll hear talk about this. You'll hear talk about mankind as if we're just the most recent animal on the planet. You might hear somebody just say in the course of their commentary, um, well, when man came on the scene some tens of thousands years ago, that's when things started to change. And that's coming from a core belief that things from a naturalistic scientific view of the world, that things just evolve naturally to the place where we are. And it's ignoring or a refusal to recognize any involvement of the supernatural, which scriptures, God's word, is full of the supernatural. We looked also at Genesis 2-7 that it says, Then God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. What I want you to see as a preacher of God's word is you cannot marry the two ideas. You cannot marry what God's word says and what naturalistic science wants you to believe about our position in the cosmos. We hold a special place in God's creation made in his image, having received the breath of life that brought us to life. Understand also that when there is confusion on this matter, it means the degrading of humans and the exalting of animals. And we see that in our culture. You see that in other cultures of this world. My, my family loves watching the show The Amazing Race. And as a part of these, sh- these seasons that we watch, they always go all over the world and experience different things and see different cultures and stuff. And in one of these uh, seasons that we watched, they kept coming back. They were in India and Thailand and all these places, and they were at the, ga- the, the, uh, the rat temple. 
okay, where there was just rats scurrying around all over the place. And people would feed the rats, and people would go there and worship the rats, and they would, and they would pay homage to the rats. And they went to the tiger temple and, and all these places. And, and so often in these cultures, you'll see people are becoming commodities. People are com- becoming something that you sell to get ahead. But animals are being elevated. And God's enemy laughs at this. We have a saying, you know, we call something that you just aren't supposed to touch, we call it a sacred cow, okay? And that comes from cultures where an animal like a cow is elevated and it's sacred and it basically means if you harm this cow, you better fear for your life. Understand that that is an upside-down view of the way that God made man, and the purpose that he made animals for. And that is simply a playing out of a destruction of man's understanding of what mankind was made for. And God's enemy laughs. Confusion on this matter means harm to people. Uh, the, the organization PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, this is a demonic organization. I will tell you that. Its founder, Ingrid Newkirk, has said there is no rational basis for saying that a human being has special rights. And then she goes on to say a rat is a pig, is a dog, is a boy. Newkirk told the Washington Post reporter of the of the murdering done by Nazi Germany pales in comparison to the killing of animals for food. And this is what she says, I quote, Six million Jews died in the concentration camps, but six billion boiler chickens will die this year in slaughterhouses. In other words, this is worse because it's the killing of more creatures. We are not simply a creature along with everyone. We are a creature in that we were created, but we were created to bear God's image, to bear his likeness. And understand that our world is at their core of their worldview. The enemy is destroying, has destroyed this truth. And it has huge implications in their behavior. Uh, We saw it happen in our community. Uh, Last year, I think it was, that young people made a terrible choice and, and, and harmed a cat in a horrible way. Okay? But the way that violence was called for against these two young people was inhumane. And the reason why I say it was inhumane is because to be human is intended to first recognize that humans are a special creation of God. And the way that humans were demonized is no less than demonic. Because the work of the devil and his demons is intended to destroy God's creation, especially the pinnacle of his creation, those who were made to worship him. From these verses, we see that we should recognize that mankind is a special part of God's creation, but also we're called to relate to others as we were made to relate to them. Notice that man and woman, you see there, that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. 
Both man and women, men and women together, are called to exercise God's dominion over the rest of creation. Man is called, he's not called to exercise dominion over woman. He's not called to dominate women, has been, has been, has been the unfortunate practice. It's usually by physical or economic force. And women are not called to dominate men in reaction to this as is, is recently encouraged in the world. Usually by berating them or making them the butt of the jokes. We are called and created both in the image of God in a complementary relationship between man and woman. And we'll look at this next week in more detail. The function of our being made in God's image is so that we might bring dominion over creation. So I challenge you, revitalize your special function of dominion. We are called to spread God's dominion over the whole earth. And this includes now people. I mean, think about this. In God's original creation, everyone had an intimate relationship with him. And now, we don't just work to further his dominion. And, and, and I believe that, that I, I'll get into this, that, that as Adam and Eve exercised and, and for fulfilling God's call to do this, the garden would expand as they would be able to care for it and tend it. But now, uh, it's like there's no physical garden there. And the dominion of God that we are called to bring is not just on this physical earth, but we are called to help people to bring that dominion of God back into their hearts, back into their lives by their receiving the fact that they can have a relationship with God through Christ who paid for every single one of their sins and has paved the way for them to be in relationship with him again. The gospel is intimately entwined with this. But originally it had to do with, with man's physical work on the earth. And, I, and if, if you will, I think m- making more and more of the earth into a sanctuary of God where he worshiped him there. Uh, Genesis 2.15, we looked at, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says, Man's purpose is to provide spiritual service. As the carefully selected words indicate, he was placed in the garden to work it or to serve and to take care of it. Whatever work he did was therefore described as his service to God. Confusion on this issue means harm to God's creation. You can see it. uh, When I was a youth pastor in Rapid City, South Dakota, we would go on backpacking trips. And you'd backpack through um, both the Black Elk Wilderness area, where man is not supposed to touch it, and Custer State Park. And you backpack through the Black Elk Wilderness area, And it's like a sick forest. It is scrawny, ponderosa pines, gray bark, peeling bark, trees leaning against another, undergrowth 
climbing up, but, but yet the smaller trees can't grow because there's no sunshine getting to them. It is a depressing place. Why? Because man's not allowed to touch it. Man is not allowed to exercise his function of dominion over that quote-unquote wilderness. And you cross through that buffalo gate into Custer State Park and its beautiful meadows, healthy trees. Why? Because man has exercised his work there. It's just a playing out of the truth that we were created to revitalize and use our special function of dominion on this earth. And our function is to make use of God's creation for good and productive purposes. We are called to produce goods and services that benefit others and that are worthy of wages. But, but our, there are people in our world that are calling for every person in America should have a living wage no matter if they work or not. This is not what we were called to be or called to do. You've probably had discussion with your kids or with your grandkids about when they complain about work that they need to do in order to earn some money. And our conversation has gone this way. If you loved it so much, if you can't wait to be there, they wouldn't have you to pay you to do it. In fact, that's called the price of admission. You'd be paying them to do it. And the way that this works in life is the more that you do that you don't necessarily love doing but get paid to do it, then the more you're able to do that costs you to do it. That's a fact of life. That in our day and age of entitlement, people are not being taught. But, but the idea that we should be producing Work and doing work that is worthy of a wage is in agreement with the purpose that we were created for. And it's one of those core issues that when that is not according to the truth, it affects a person's behavior. We're called to provide something that's worthy of the wages that we're paid. We're called to improve the condition, conditions of where we live, improve the conditions of our home, our church, our community. And when we believe that our kids should get without first giving, we miss out on teaching them the purpose for which they were created. We exercise God's dominion when we bring what we have to offer for his glory, a good day's work, a cre- our creative ability to improve, to bring beauty, to design something completely new. And in sharing the gospel with others, we're not just saying, you know, I'm supposed to do this. I'm wondering if you uh, are interested in buying this, that sort of thing. We are helping. We are offering the person to be reconnected back to the purpose that they were created for. In relationship with God. To embrace a gospel relationship with God should change the way we work. And as God grows us, he's returning us to what he religion originally made us for. And for Adam and Eve, everything had long-lasting significance, right? Nothing was going to fade away. The animals were there forever. 
they were there forever. But today, we need to make priority decisions, right? Because if you're just spend, and, and, and I can be convicted about this, if I spend all my free time just beautifying my house, guess what? It's all going to burn. Today, we need to make priority decisions about investing our time, investing our work in what is going to last for eternity, in people, in the furthering of God's truth. Because God's word lasts forever, and people last forever, whether it be in heaven or in hell. And that's where we need to be putting our time and our effort Well, the original temptation was you can be like God, right? You can be like God. And we'll see this when we get into Genesis 3. You can be like God, judging for yourself what is good and what is evil. You can take your God-likeness to a whole new level, was the original temptation. You can redefine your relationship with God where you call the shots, Today's temptation, though, is you can take your godlikeness to a whole new level of destruction. And since God is con- considered a figment of our imagination, you can redefine your sexuality. You can redefine your gender. In our present culture, expression of this, we as God's people, you as God's people, must first realign your thinking on sexuality and gender. This is not a tangent issue of life. This has to do with this core issue for which and by which and how we were created. When I talk about you need to realign, think about when you go take your car in for a realignment, okay? And the situation there is you're driving along and you find that, you know, when I let go of the steering wheel, don't do that very often, but when I let go of the steering wheel, it pulls left or it pulls right. And what situation there is maybe one of your tires, all of your tires are heading straight, but one of your tires is off like this. And what's going to happen? Well, if you have a habit of letting go of the steering wheel, you're going to get into an accident. But that tire is going to wear down eventually. And understand that this idea that, that, you know, gender is fluid, persons, their identity can be based in their sexuality, and, and that sexuality can be different from one person to another. It is an, an, an a idea that needs to be realigned with how it is that God created us, and that person is going to wear themselves out as the suicide rate amidst homosexuals, and, and the, the, the transgender community shows. These are ideas that need to be realigned with God's truth. A person thinking that their identity comes from their, their, their sexual preferences is a loss of identity from being made in the likeness of God. It is looking for something to fill this void. And it's pathologically unhealthy for a person to wrap up their whole identity in their sexuality. 
And people can be born with a proclivity toward homosexuality just like they can be born with a proclivity toward alcohol. And it is more destructive to who they are as a person if they should follow down that path. Many Christians believe and teach, well, if you have homosexual tendencies or if you just fully homo- have fully homosexual desires, what God cares about is that you stay celibate and just call yourself a gay Christian. But that idea of labeling ourselves by our temptation or labeling ourselves by our sin is destructive. And it's destructive at the core. It is a surrendering at the core of what we were made to be and how we were made. And the crescendo of our being made in God's likeness, being made in his image, is being made male and female. And this is defined at conception. If you have, if you, at the very base of who you are physically, your chromosomes of your DNA, if they are X, Y, you are female. If they are X, X, you are male. And the modern world's crescendo of rebellion against God is that the idea that a person defines the gender that they are. It's nonsensical. It's not even just that the the emperor has no clothes. It's the emperor is nuts. Gender dysphoria is a very real thing. It's a psychological challenge that many young people face. And the the American College of Pediatrics is saying, folks, 90% of children with gender dysphoria figure things out by the end of puberty. And they are crying out, especially in a letter that was released September of last year. They are crying out to educators and medical professionals. This is the American College of Pediatrics saying, stop encouraging a psychological condition called gender dysphoria in children. They say in the beginning of their letter, the American College of Pediatricians urges healthcare professionals, educators, and legislators to reject all policies that condition children to accept as normal a life of chemical and surgical impersonation of the opposite sex. They go on to say facts, not ideology, determine reality. And they refer to the fact that a person is either born with one chromosome or another. And they go on to, with one of their most striking statements in their letter, conditioning children to be leaving a lifetime of chemical or surgical impersonation, in other words, hormone-suppressing drugs or uh, reassignment surgery, Conditioning children to believing that a lifetime of this, of impersonation of the opposite sex is normal, is unhelpful, and is child abuse. This is the American College of Pediatrics, a secular organization pleading, stop it. You know, when rebels can't get to a ruler, You know, when there's an overthrow of a country or something like that, when they can't get to the ruler, they start destroying his images. They start burning his portraits. They start tearing down his his statues. And we see no less than a time that we're living in 
in which the strategy is very much the same. Atheism says there is no God to have images of. Secularism says the way of enlightenment is complete institutional godlessness. And the argument of the LGBTQ community and those who encourage it is that all pictures of the former king must be torn down. Because it was in the image of God that he created us, male and female. He created us. Male and female are the forms that he created us in in order to show that image of God to the world. And it's a tearing down of any image of the creator. Children are being abused and disfigured in an unconscious effort to erase the image of God. And today we must realign ourselves with God's original method for mankind. His method is shining his image to the world. We must lift up Christ in Christ honoring marriage. Not perfect but determined to honor Christ, applying his grace, applying his mercy to one another. And don't be surprised by the sinful redefinitions of sexuality and gender. This is what happens when those core beliefs are not according to reality, are not according to truth. Show his love to those that are confused. Learn to show God's love to people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, God loves human beings. God loves the world. Not an ideal human, but human beings as they are. Not an ideal world, but the real world. What we find repulsive in their opposition to God, what we shrink back from with pain and hostility, this is for God the ground of unfathomable love. It is loving people in their confusion. Loving people as they shake their fist at their creator. That is the ground of God's unfathomable love. What do you sound like when you talk about these issues in your home? Are you modeling God's love toward those who are destructively confused on the most foundational issues? The quality of our closest relationships within our home, within our families, with our children, with our grandchildren, with our spouses, these are our greatest gospel voice. And they will shine all the brighter in the culture around us. I challenge you to reorient your family to God's purpose. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Do you see the connection between family and worshiping God as we exercise his dominion and subdue, if you will, the world around us? It's as we are fruitful and multiply. To be disoriented means to lose our understanding of where we are in relationship to the big picture. 
To be reoriented is to realize where we are in relationship to where we need to be. The original big picture of mankind is to bring glory to God by spreading his dominion. And I mentioned this a little bit before. Why did God plant a special garden? Why did God plant a place where Adam and Eve would live and grow and have children? I believe that garden was their opportunity within their reach to exercise God's dominion and subdue it and that as they had children, that garden would grow. That garden would spread. That garden would widen. As Douglas Wilson said, the world was full of life and God created man in his image after his likeness in order to have dominion over all of that. Now, clearly, Adam and Eve were going to need reinforcements. And God created them with the capacity to obtain them, to have kids, to further God's dominion. God gave families the purpose of spreading God's dominion for his glory. And the ultimate purpose of family is to raise fellow image bearers of God to extend his dominion. And it starts with them learning to give more at home than they take. You know, real simple principles we are trying to get across in our home. You know, if you open it, close it. If you get it out, put it away. If you make the mess, clean it up. But the bigger idea is, can you leave this place better than you found it? Why do you think God has put that friend in your life? Can you help that friend to be closer to the Lord than when they first knew you? But just as Satan seeks to steal God's productive purpose in all things, he has derailed the purpose of family. And sadly, it comes down to the, like an inter- internal struggle for who is going to have selfish control over that home. That is not living in the likeness of God within that home. Say, I'm walking into this room and I'm going to leave it better than when I came in. I'm going to leave my brother. I'm going to leave my sister. I'm going to leave my wife. I'm going to leave my child in this moment better than when I walked into this room. More blessed. We have a home on our street and it is a sad example. At one point in time, it had a mom and a dad and two beautiful daughters. And it was a beautiful home. What happened? The dad decided he didn't want to live there anymore. He wanted to live somewhere else with somebody else. And so he up and left. And the mom tried to keep it together. But pretty soon, she had to move away. She had to try to sell the house in a In a quick way, that fell through, but she still needed to move away because she needed to care for her daughters. And then somebody came in kind of on a rental arrangement, and pretty soon they weren't paying rent anymore. Pretty soon it turns into squalor. Pretty soon the, the deputies are over moving them out, and there that home sits. Now, the saddest tragedy of this is not the home that went from a beautiful home to a squalor. But it's an example of what the enemy wants to have happen to creation, to our call to exercise his dominion. And when it breaks down, 
in our homes with that simple relationship so simple when that foundational relationship between husband and wife between parent and children when that breaks down see how it destroys our whole purpose of why God put you there in that neighborhood we need to reorient the whole purpose of family the whole purpose of relationships but it's so simple around right here we're called to bring glory to God wherever we are let's bow our heads in prayer